Hi, welcome to uh, Northern McLaren Fans Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Donnelly. Not joining me this week is Sarah. Uh, it's her birthday day, so we've got some uh, um, rather outstandings. We've got Andy Robinson. Say hi, Andy. Hello, everyone. And Simon, who's been on the podcast before. Say hello, Simon. Hi, everybody. Excellent, excellent. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, as I was saying to you guys just before we started there, what are we going to talk about this week? <laughs> there wasn't a lot really happened in Qatar for us to, well, there's a couple of points we can kind of talk about, but there wasn't a lot of positives and there's not really been a lot of sort of news come out. But I guess I guess we can start off with, um, you know, racing in Qatar, uh, great it's nice to go to a new place um but i also thought it was really good to see a lot of the drivers coming out there and supporting good causes and making statements whether that changes anything let's see what happens but um you know there was quite a few drivers especially on the uh we races one part who had uh, rainbow colors on the t-shirts and Lewis's helmet was uh, also quite good. And so, um, yeah, so I just wanted to start off by saying that it was good to see a show of support and solidarity from the drivers for, let's just call them human rights issues. I, th- I think the biggest thing we get out of it is it started a conversation. Um, Lewis's helmet was shown out on Thursday and my Twitter feed just bumped massively of everyone saying, look at this helmet, look at this. And from... There's there's different sides this argument of like who who should be um, portraying what kind of images to what people. But uh, as an Englishman in a country where we are pretty free to say what we like and, and to be who we want to be, it's brilliant to see that message of love and acceptance being given out to everyone. And if if there's just one person in Qatar who saw Lewis's helmet and felt better about themselves, I think it's worth every bit of pain on that helmet. It's, uh, it's a huge message that uh, Danny Rick's got it all good always. He's got it every single race. And you read into that what you want to read into it. Um, but I think there's some great messages coming out. And for the world champion of his caliber to stand up and say, this is what I want to say. It's huge. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of glad that the FIA didn't get involved in it in any way and try to put the kibosh on it and stuff like that. Um, very much let it go. And yeah, um, you know, but yeah, it was it was a good statement, and let's hope that, like you say, it makes a difference to even one person. Then it's all been worth it. That's it. So let's uh, let's talk a bit about about the race itself. Um, what do we think of the track? I, I like it. it could have been I, anywhere in the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it could have been anywhere in the world. Yeah, there, there was there was one grandstand. I think it was like eight thousand people big. You could have picked up that track, put it in a field in uh, Cumbria, and it would have been the same race. That, that it it just was a it was a, a the event and the location wasn't the race. That that track was um, it, there was nothing you couldn't see the corners. Like Dan said, going to the first corner of all the dust going up, he didn't know where he was, lost his braking spot, and was late uh, early to brake to make sure he didn't temp and bowl everyone. 
there's no markers around there. You, you saw like one corner or two corners and you didn't know where the cars were. Um, but that's just my my uh, feed on that one. Yeah, it didn't really feel like um, an F1 track at all, did it really? Um, like you say, it's quite a small grandstand. Um, I like the idea of having a, a Keswick Grand Prix. That would be quite good. Just down the road from where my mum lives. <laughs> what idea, did you think, that? Simon? I I quite like it purely for the fact, and and some of the drivers were sort of saying it was fun because obviously the, the change in direction, the speed through the corners, it was a driver's circuit, I believe. But that doesn't always make for great racing. That means that they get to throw it around, feel some G, put put the car under load. Um, but but that, and that's great for practices and qualifying. But it doesn't generate the best, most outstanding race. DRS zone did its job. Um, yeah, like you say, though, you could. There, was, there wasn't a lot of atmosphere there. I did like when we did look at the, when they took sort of shots of the grandstand. And going back to the point of everybody involved, you've got Max fans and Lewis fans, and, they're, and they're, they're arm in arm. You know, they just want to see a good race. And there were so many different countries' flags there. Um, and I thought that was brilliant. So obviously, a lot of people made the trip. So yes, there was only 8,000 people, but they're all hemmed in together. And they got on with it, they, you know, and, and I love that about this sport. It, it generally, you know, we don't have sort of post-race violence, you know, <laughs> on, this, on, on the track, which is I'll good. Tell that there's to our Mac on. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're right, though. You, you, you're at a race and you're in a random place in the world watching a race and everyone around you is not following McLaren or not following your driver. And everyone still chats and it's brilliant. That's, that's one of the big things about the F1 community is... It all accepting it just doesn't matter who you are or who you're supporting just you're supporting f1 that's it i i wonder how many races we've been to where there were more people in the f1 paddock as in personnel and staff than there were fans because mm. that number's got to be pretty close to eight thousand in the um stand and that was it yeah yeah that's a good point that there's, there's yeah plenty of people in the paddocks and in the teams and stuff like that but yeah um <clears throat> i mean Obviously, with COVID, we've had quite a few empty races, so I guess they don't count. <laughs> no, no. But um, so the race itself, then, we we got lucky with a few grid penalties for Lando. Yeah, yeah, and you know we'll we'll take that. It's a good place to start in fourth place. We were on the wrong side of the track, though. Um, you could see. Um, I think it was when actually Lewis took the checkered flag. And he drove down that side of the the, the, the sort of main straight to um, take the flag. The amount of dust that came up was unbelievable. And I was like, wow. So, yeah, starting on that side of the grid was was never a great place to be. So, um, But I think he got a decent enough start. I was quite happy with Lando's start. Um, Danny Ricks wasn't particularly great, but, you know, he got kind of squeezed a little bit. But, yeah, I've kind of... I guess most of the action that we saw was all Max and sort of Lewis this weekend because of the championship sort of ramping up. We did get to see a few sort of overtakes of the midfield and things like that. Um, but yeah, um, we weren't really the story this weekend, were we, that was going to be followed. So We were a little bit absent on camera and audio. Yes. Um, like yeah. um, Andy sort of mentioned just before, we didn't learn out, you know, we didn't find out and some of the major details of, of our guys' races until the following day. Um, that's something, you know, as we will get to, 
um, that things, you know, were against us. You don't find that out because it's not on the radio. They're just sort of talking. And I get it. That's the bit of the sport, Lewis and Max. But there's 20 cars on the grid. There's 10 teams, you know, not just the two. We've spent years watching that timing screen on the left-hand side of a TV to figure out when Dan's overtaking someone or when like, we've got, like, we're in the DRS zone. Um, I've got to do a massive shout out though to the McLaren app and team stream. That has been revolutionary for the last four or five years. Getting the team radio on, or parts of the team radio, I should say, and a bit of context around it. I follow that as much as I follow the um, ticker on the side of the screen as well now, because it mm. just gives you that insight. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It's obviously all McLaren focused. Can you get on team stream um, from the app then? Yeah, at the top, you just literally click the orange bar that says uh, "Life race, uh, race Live in 30 Seconds or and click there and it gives you the team stream. Right. Uh, same, same as the website. Right, cool. Yeah, so, yeah, I think yeah, it's a good good place to sort of watch it. And, yeah, I used to always do the uh, the Sky Sports Race Control where you could listen to the, all of the radio and the pit lane stuff. But, um, yeah, it started getting in the way because it was delayed slightly to the TV coverage. It was always a bit like kind of, yeah, a few seconds behind. Um, yeah, so just back to the sort of race, um, it seemed that it was the, um, they're not really sausage curves, but let's call them like the triangular curves, the Toblerone curves that were doing the real damage to all the cars. Um, and that certainly sort of definitely throughout the race was, causing a lot of headache for engineers. You could hear them on the radio a few times, even at the beginning of the race, telling people to sort of stay off the curbs, kind of keep on the track and stuff like that, which is ironic given what they were doing in Brazil, as they're not racing on the track. But, <laughs> yeah, um, it did seem a bit sort of, they were a little bit quite, a bit too aggressive for F1 cars, really. And it, we knew the curves were aggressive. We had the instance uh, through practice, through qualifying, and then the FIA still made the track limits the outside of that curb. <laughs> Make it the white line, and then the cars can't go on the the curbs again to cause the damage. Don't don't bring up track limits. Don't don't bring up track limits. It's, it's, I, th- I don't know if you saw my tweet. I put the FIA's decision making process explained and a picture of Harvey Two Face flicking a coin because mm. that's how the FIA make decisions, in my opinion. Um, what's it going to be this week, children? Let's have a look. Let's toss a coin. Uh, yeah. Just and, and that, it's the same with track limits. Uh, in my opinion, white line is your track limit. You stay inside it. Um, yeah, I would say two two wheels on the right side of the white line at every yep. race track. That should be it. Yep, absolutely. You know, they often bring up in commentary, don't they? Where they talk about um, you know if there was a, if it was Monaco or Singapore. You wouldn't be able to do that. So why are we letting them do that at other tracks? Um, yeah, and, and they wouldn't be out there unless it was faster, yeah, <laughs> let's be honest. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, I think there's definitely, uh, definitely for me, it's, yeah, sort of, uh, keep you know, keep the track limits and keep the racing on the track. Um, one, of, one of the things that happened early in the race that we didn't kind of, see the full story of until later on which I wouldn't mind you guys kind of discussing was um, it seemed at the time that Gasly had just ran wide to let Max pass oh my god then there was a bit of team radio a bit later on about sort of you know um, 
I don't know what the, the actual wording was, but it just felt really wrong that that's not the right way to do it. It's not the right way to race for me. But even when he ran wide and there was no team radio, the commentators on Sky, I think it was Crofty or I can't remember who it was, said that's a little bit suspicious. Like they were quizzical about it being... It, I mean, I know they're all paid by the same purse, but maybe there's a um, shout for why don't Mercedes have a second team so they can bump uh, a few people in between, or why don't we have a second team or a third team? It's it, there's questionable, questionable morals there. I think is the issue. Yeah, I think it, from what I was looking at, and I I like Pierre Gasly. I think he's a great driver, and I personally think Red Bull is the wrong team for him. So when he's in, you see how he's flourished in Toro Rosso, Alpha Tauri, sorry. And in my opinion, if it was me in that situation, I'd be kind of a little bit, no, sorry, Max, I'm not going to make this easy. I'm just as good a driver. I'm in this team now. We've got just as much of a, of a right to be on this track. And, and yeah, it looked highly suspect, the, the um, just going offline a bit or, or, oh, I've just dipped a toe off the, off the circuit. Oh, Dirty, dirty track now, and I'm off. It was and, the uh, fact that he didn't open his DRS until Max had passed him. Didn't, did he? Didn't come no. over. He didn't, like flicked open for about two or three seconds left, or, you, know, t- you know, five, six meters left, and it went, oh yeah, I'll have DRS, and then oh no, it's gone. Ah, uh, yeah, very suspect. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't subtle at all. It, it wasn't like um, Nelson PK into a wall. No. Like that that was pretty subtle for ten years. Um, this was obvious. Uh, Max is faster than you. Came the call from Helmut. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Just not something I want to see in F one personally. Um, I wonder what everyone else out there thinks. But yeah, for me, it's you know I kind of get it if sort of you're swapping Lewis and Valtteri around or something like that or. You know, Max and Sergio. You know, that's within your team. You do the decision for the team. But Alpha Tauri, just as much chance. They've never finished fifth. This is just as much their race. And Alpine, let's face it, because that's who they're up against, absolutely trounced them this weekend. Could that have been pivotal? I know this is not McLaren chat. Sorry, guys. But, you know, you brought it up, Andy. (laughs) It affects us. But from a business point of view, Helmut's made the right choice. Yeah, from a bi- pure business, from a sporting point of view, it's horrendous. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get back to the the talk of the race and stuff. So, um, yeah, let's have a quick chat about how we thought the race went for us. Sort of after the first few laps, um, I thought Lando did pretty well. To be honest, I thought he was hanging in there. Um, definitely had the pace to sort of keep up there. And was I think were we the last in on those tyres? Pretty yeah. much close. Which, which, given everything that sort of started to happen a bit later, you're kind of thinking, "Wow, that was probably quite close." <laughs> yeah. um, and I think he did amazing to stay up there in in the positions where we're fighting with the big boys at the very front in in a mm-hmm. car that, by all regards, in free practice sessions, wasn't as fast as the place he was in. And just to just to not to sit there because that implies it was easy, but um, just to <laughs> maintain his position for so long and then yeah. to be um, stung at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's obviously quite a few punctures over the race weekend. I think we can kind of he can count himself slightly lucky that he was actually coming around the last couple of corners when it happened. 
because mm-hmm. a little bit further on, he would have been on the pitch straight, and then he would have been stuffed. Yeah. So it was just gutting, really, because like I say, he did so well on. He started on the softs, didn't he? Yes. So he yeah. ran really well on the softs, and then he switched, and they went. They went so much less, and it just this 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 puncture issue. Um, it was absolutely gutting, really, um, to see because, like I say, he was managing a good race. Um, to we could have out, I think, either matched or outscored Ferrari, and then to come away with what we came away with, yeah, pretty gut wrenching towards the end of it. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, you know, for for where where we're at, I think you know, pretty much resigned to fourth place now. Really, it's unless there's a massive drop off for Ferrari, then. Um, you know, I kind of feel that we, you know, we've done our best. We've done really well. We've got some great points. We've had a podium, we've had loads of podiums. We've had a win. Yeah. The only team still to have a one-two all season. Yep. So, you know, a whole lot of positives to this season. But, I, you know, I can't blame them if they slightly got one eye on next year at this point. I hope they've got a few more eyes on than just one eye. But, you know, kind of, yeah, uh, um, yeah you know, I kind of, Really, it would be nice to get that third again, but in realistic terms, Ferrari have looked strong in the last five races since the since the break, and uh, yeah, we you know we're, we're struggling a little bit to kind of maintain. It's a consistency, isn't it? Really, that we haven't had in the last couple of races. It's probably been the worst three races of our whole season, to be honest. Yeah, but we've got to remember right at the start of the season we used a shed load of tokens. And the last third was always going to be painful when we didn't have any tokens left to upgrade. Yeah. And to get into that situation where we've got more points than last year. And it, you listed off everything we've done this year, which believe me, like believe all of us, eight, nine years ago, we'd have been crying if you thought we'd even got <laughs> in the top 10. Yeah. Um, like we, we've done amazing this year. And yeah, we might be fourth. And then yes, Ferraris might finish in front of us unless we put out something from the bag in the last two races. But we've done better than last year in terms of points. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we'll do even better again next year. Dan has a strong season. There's not, you know, Lando and Dan have a strong enough season together. Then we, you know, definitely get there and challenge again. Um, it's it's going to be, you know, interesting to see, really. Um, yeah. It does feel a little bit at the minute that if we had no bad luck, then we'd have absolutely zero luck at all. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. We've always said as McLaren fans, the one thing we have is hope. Yeah. Yes. We clearly don't have luck. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it, when people ask me what do you think we're going to do this weekend, they always think, yeah, well, we can win it. Yeah. We just need things to go our way. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Whole, the, the whole sort of development tokens, the things we've done this year and everything, I've explained that over the last two weeks about 100 times to people that have said, what's going on with McLaren? I've got some clients that I talk to and they all say, yeah, uh, I said, how did McLaren do this? They know I'm an F1 fan. How did they do this week? I said, oh, it's tough. Oh, why, why are they so bad? It's like, look, right, development tokens, start of the season. This is what happened. Everyone else is, we're not getting any worse. It's just everyone else is catching up. And now we're sort of feeling it. And like you say, we've had some bad, bad luck over the last few weekends. And to do that on a triple header, it really hits home. Yeah, yeah. I imagine all the... The people in the team who headed back today and everything else like that feel a little bit kind of. I hope they get a little bit of time to relax and just recharge a little bit so we can go again. Mm. Yeah, we we got to talk about Dan as well in the race. 
Yes. Um, Let's talk. So I read a, read a few things from Dan uh, today, actually. And so you were saying that in the first corner, all the dust kicking up, he couldn't see any breaking marks. He was surrounded. He was boxed in. He couldn't see where to break. So he braked early to prevent a um, temp in bowling, I think was his phrase. Um, and you got to give him credit for keeping in the race because to finish first, first got to finish. But then we had a, a fuel fo- flow uh, meter reading issue, which didn't come out until today, I don't think. I don't think anyone knew about it yesterday that, that I saw anyway. And for half the race, he was saving two seconds of lap of fuel. And he's not going to be competitive if you've got two seconds off your best time or your, even your standard time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard manage, isn't it? So um, I wonder... You know, I wonder if that was just a sensor or something like that that had gone wrong. But, um, yeah, you know. you that, that, to me, is, from an engineering point of view, considering the amount of, the amount of partners McLaren have got that are into data, that are into management of that kind of thing, and, rely, you know, that is, in my world, cardinal sin. We're sort of, we, we, you know, with the data and everything, that where we, we, we must have had backups or something. And you just sort of think, come on, how can we be? It's it's a bit like a schoolboy error, in my opinion. In my opinion, a bit of a oh, come on, guys, we we must be better than that. We must have better information available to us. Do you remember when um, the fuel limit first came in? And uh, the story I heard was that all the fuel flow meters, Mercedes bought every single one they possibly could, mm. tested them all, took the ones that were most advantageous to them and then sold back the ones that were a bit dodgy or overread or underread, whichever way they wanted it. So they had the best fuel flow meters. And it seems like we've got the one that was at the end of the pack, that four years down the line, we're using this uh, this one that's slightly broken and didn't give the right reading. And he's just been uh, really unlucky with that. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot you can do, really, is there? Uh, but like you say, Simon, you know, surely these things get tested and calibrated and everything else like that. So... Um, but then again, is it the last one that we had in the bag? Because we've yeah. gone through a few others at other tracks that we don't know about. We've been away for a triple header. So, yeah, um, unfortunate. But, you know, I kind of feel that the teams had a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a blasting off people on Twitter and stuff like that, which has been slightly unfair, I think, uh, some of the things that have been said. And... There will be races where we will have um, completely opposite to what we've just had, where everything will go our way, where we'll look out and get some, you know, Monza is a great example of that, where, you know, we're pretty competitive. But I've always I've always said this season was always about being in the right place and picking up the pieces when the top teams fail. And I think generally, you know, eight out of ten times we've done that. So, you know, it's it's not just about one race, it's about a whole season and looking at it as a season for me. Do you know what I love about people that have a blast on Twitter? They have a blast at the admins of our Twitter account. And you think <laughs> of the people in, in the social media and they do yeah. a great job. They do a hard job from the abuse they get, but they do a great job. But none of them are engineers of like aeroflow. None of them can do paint. None of them can weigh or or do whatever it is on the car you've got the people that make the videos and they're great and they're the ones that get the abuse like what do you want them to do do you want to stop making the videos and go and paint a bit of the car i don't don't know what the the point of the aggro is yeah it's it's yeah it's very miss 
uh, misdirected, isn't it? Um, yeah. I think it's, fine to, it's fine to vent. It's fine to vent, like I say, between like a group, do a bit of a vent and get yeah. frustrations out. But I think, Andy, you said it absolutely right. The one thing you need to hold on to and just just keep is that McLaren fans have got hope. Whether we're delusional, we're not. We can't be delusional. because, Like you say, we're the only ones this season with a one-two finish uh, and a race, race win and a, a, you know, a one-two. So we're not delusional. It's just that it's been difficult past three. Um, and like I say, eyes on 2022. Settle down where we are. Eyes on 2022. Clearly a lot of development gone in. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, hope, again, you know, just got to keep, keep hold of that and keep going. Yeah, yeah. There's two things that I always look forward to. One is the car launch to see the livery, and the other one is to see what the team kit looks like. <laughs> That's what my February is always about. <laughs> That's my not first testing. bit of hope. Not, not the testing to see sort of where we sit on track. Well, the testing can always be improved. Yeah. Delivery. The team kit can't. <laughs> the team kit can't. Remember the zebra tops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny that the team, the car launch and the team kit launch are a massive highlight in February. Yeah. They really are. Just to see what I'm going to be wearing for the next year because our wardrobes are pretty papaya or McLaren inspired, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, and it's We had years where we didn't have... Our name, like, do you remember the Vodafone McLaren years yeah. where you wore a hat that said Vodafone? It did yeah. not say McLaren. So yeah. I'm a Vodafone fan. I'm not. Uh, yeah. So it, it does matter. I, I love my team kit. I love my hats. And uh, yeah, they are the highlight of February. Don't tell anyone else about Valentine's Day because that obviously is a highlight in there as well, just in case anyone else is listening that matters to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got to find myself an F1 wife for that. Uh, particularly there. <laughs> All right. So um, the last point that I've got on the agenda is um, triple headers. We've had quite a few this year, probably going to have quite a few next year. Mm. Um, my, my own personal standpoint is I'm not a particular fan of them. I don't think they work very well for the team personnel. It's great in some ways having three races, but it doesn't kind of give you that chance to sort of bringing along a few little upgrades or bits and pieces like that, it seems a bit rushed to do the three in three weeks. Um, what are your thoughts? Go, Simon. It's, in my opinion, um, it's too much. Uh, back-to-back works, especially if we did, you know, in the same location, like with Austria and things like that, where you could do a good back-to-back, give the teams a bit of downtime because human factors come into it, fatigue. Um, and that's potentially, you know, where, where you start getting issues. And it does, I suppose, show a, a good strength of a team if they can cope with these triple headers very, very well. But also, I'm not going to moan too much, but from a fan point of view, I mean, it, it does take out a lot of your weekend. I was, I was um, doing some timings at some swim competitions this weekend with the phone sat in front of me watching the race before we got, you know, going. Because um, it's it's a good sort of hour and a half, two hours, and it's a long. And then, if especially if you do what I do in practice sessions, quality, all that lot, trying to fit it all in, um, I need a break as well. And I'm not going to moan because, again, like you say, the teams and the personnel. In an ideal world, you might have interchangeable sort of pit crews and team crews that can sort of maybe swap over, but then you're going to lose consistency. Um, so it's really challenging. I just think maybe back to backs, good idea. The occasional flyaway back to back, 
But triple headers, especially when you're looking at the mileage they're doing, um, it's not good. It, it, it's, we need to dial it back, I think. The, the FIA brought it in during COVID when we couldn't really do all, and we just squeezed the season into a couple of months. And it was a sneaky way to bring it in and say it'll only be for the COVID season. And then they bring in two of them during a normal season when we're not really in the old restrictions. We're, we're in a new world. And it's insane. We had the issue um, going to Brazil. Our um, car was stuck on a port a day or two late and they had to extend the curfew and to over midnight for the crew to be able to work on the car overnight because the car hadn't arrived in time brilliant give give our team more time but give them less sleep i mean that team then has to work on the same car the next day even if you've given them an extended curfew that is a lot of hours for a lot of people and i am so dark trace one of our big sponsors front of the rear wing and side pods and um our company buys dark trace and i had the opportunity to uh, go on a dark trace webinar and i was allowed to ask a question so I asked Lando what he thought about uh, triple headers and the long season. He, as a driver who not just rocks up and drives because he puts the hours in with the crew in, in the pit as well. We've seen it all on Twitter. Um, he thinks 20 race season's good enough and he doesn't want a triple header. And if we get the drivers to start telling the FIA that and we start getting the fans to tell the FIA that, then there might be some movement. But while you can get an extra $40, $50 million for putting another race in the season, no one's going to listen as far as uh, my £5 subscription fee for the month is going to be. Yeah, they're going to see that the TV ratings are going to drop off, aren't they? Um, people are going to start doing other things. When you know, when two weekends of your month are taken out for F1, that's fine. When it comes to three out of a four-weekend month, it's a bit different. It's, you know, family sort of balance to get right and everything else like that. So, yeah, I think certainly the... Uh, yeah, the, yeah. I worry for what happens next year with all of the races, and I worry that they might try and put some more in and make it a twenty-five races a season. It's just like that's half the year. That's far too much. Yeah, when we were younger, and I'm of a certain vintage now, it was every other week was a race. Yeah, that like you had a race, you had a week off, you had a race, you had a week off, and rarely you'd have a back to back. But I, I remember growing up, and you'd you'd be able to do a week of dedicated to that weekend I'm dedicating to F1 because next weekend I'm free. You could have everything else going on in your life. But um, when the race is at two or three in the afternoon, as it normally is for us in England, um, that's your Saturday and Sunday gone. Yeah. And you, you know, back, back then, Andy, you know, probably, you know, when it was uh, black and white, Fangio was winning. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I saw Sir Sterling Moss. Yeah. You know, there was only like 12, 14 races a season, wasn't there? So, um, you know, it was a shorter season, but like you said, it was a week on, a week off, week on, a week off, and a lot of the races were Europe. Um, But I'd like to see that as well. I'd like to see, you know, I think, you know, back to 18 races a season would be fine for me and do the same sort of thing Mm. and have a a longer break over the winter and the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Let's look after some mental health of some of those crews because there's hundreds of people involved in every team to put two cars on track. Yeah. And that they've signed up for a 20 race season and then it's been extended. And that yeah. they signed up 10 years ago to work for these people. Yeah. And there are some great great members of our crew who are leaving the teams now 
to mm. concentrate on family and life at home because they can't do 23 races away because it's not fair for their kids. Yeah, and you, you get it, you buy into it. It's uh, mm. it's got to do some. Um, so you got to have some control and some life left after work. Yeah. Right. I reckon that's it. I think we covered everything there today. Thanks very much, guys, for joining us. Um, no, thanks for having me. Just one thing left to say, which is uh, to wish Sarah a happy birthday. Yeah, happy and, birthday, uh, Sarah. Hopefully she's back next after the next race. <laughs> Maybe her birthday celebrations will carry on for two weeks. Who knows? <laughs> All right, guys, thanks very much. We'll leave it there and uh, we'll be back after the next race for another McLaren fans podcast.